welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with you, back for another episode of Roach Coach. And baby, let's do it all over again. It's Punisher time once again on the coach. Double down. That's right. We had so much fun talking about the Punisher with Thomas Jane. said, let's talk about the soundtrack to the follow-up film, Punisher Warzone, and ask back our friend, Mr. Tucker Stone. Tucker, welcome back. Hey, 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 hey. I, I got to tell you, I went, I went Punisher shopping yesterday. I found a copy of my one of my favorite copies. I had to buy it again, the Mike Barron issue of Punisher, and the cover where a, a guy is holding a gun to a child's head, and he said, you, you better drop that gun, Punisher. The kid gets it, and the Punisher keeps his gun trained on, and he says, what do I care? My kid's already dead. <laughs> that, that's who that's who the punisher is so that's the oh, guy man. i had to come back we're talking about my main man frank oh. these are the kind of choices he makes oh i'm here i'm here for it incredible frank again about that, about life. that life about it <laughs> about it a hundred percent uh so yeah so we are what a fucking <laughs> me <laughs> it's great jesus Jesus that's that's really heavy for the first 45 seconds of the I gotta tell you I gotta tell you Matt one of the things I also was reminded of of this this character I've invested too much of my adult life in was I was reading uh, one of the fun things about reading those single issues you read in the letters column and there's a letter column where this somebody's writing and he said I've been reading every issue of uh of of the Punisher and I I just love Frank Kressel and and maybe it's just me coming from a place of being 12 years old but I do kind of wonder and I was like let's just stop Coming from, I'm sitting here. I'm reading this comic with the same type of intensity as its desired reader, its target reader, actually, a 12 year old who's like, I'm just writing in to say. <laughs> Pretty the moment. Uh, pardon my interruption, but here we here we find ourselves aghast and agog at the workings of Mr. Frank Castle. <laughs> Me, a 12 year old lad, strapping. Oh my gosh, that is great it's the stuff. That is great it's commentary. The stuff. It's so, the real. It's, that's the real stuff. It's the real stuff. Lauren, yes. Tell me that Wind Up Records is back. Tell me that uh, once again, Wind Up Records. Matt, you'll be happy to know that actually, with this go through, the soundtrack, uh, the official title is Punisher War Zone Original Motion Picture Soundtrack. Mm-hmm. This was Gotta released do it. on November twenty fifth, two thousand eight, on Lionsgate Records totally different thing mm-hmm. totally different totally thing. different but let me tell it's a you week of thanksgiving if, if, I, if i if i remember yeah. in my calendar i think you're right they dropped this the week of thanksgiving the movie itself dropped december 5th 2008 mm-hmm. so they gave you a couple weeks to get used to these boys yourself. yeah okay yeah before this came out and there is a uh, there's a band on this uh, soundtrack who won an online contest to be on the soundtrack that's why there's that second there's so there's a second version the bands who didn't make the soundtrack I've, i saw this like lurking around online like a, like the runner-up album oh really <laughs> i didn't oh, i didn't see this yeah. oh my gosh wow maybe let's not talk about that album. let's just focus on the, the winners <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> hey this this show's about the winners <laughs> yeah winners only winners only please wind up records 
so we should talk a little bit about the movie itself, Punisher Warzone. This was the last time that the Punisher was in a movie that was released in theaters. Punisher was portrayed this time by the late, great Ray Stevenson. Movies directed by Lexi Alexander. And uh, this was a, it was a bomb at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it did not, it made $10 million worldwide, total. And the okay. reviews were not positive. It is since uh, its 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 reputation has grown and is now a cult classic. A lot of people love it. I love it. I will say I was one of that ten million dollars. I went opening weekend, saw it with my buddy McCarty and a guy who brought his way too young son to see it. <laughs> that was that was who was in the theater, and uh, I remember. I think it was right after he, uh, he 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 decapitates an old man and then breaks the uh, his wife's neck, the old man's wife's neck, and I was like, "You brought a kid to this? All right, <laughs> all right, man." Because this is this that's is... like me at eight seeing RoboCop in the theater. Oh my god! Wow! Hell yeah! That's amazing. Really fucked Hell me yeah. up. I will, oh man. So yeah. So this movie, um, I could say at the time I thought it was pretty good. Then now I'm at a point where I love it. Though I know that there is still a bunch of things with it that I still have qualms. Uh, as far mm. as uh, Frank is too regretful in this movie. Mm -hmm. He's too angsty. Mm -hmm. He's too easy to quit after accidentally killing one fed he's like oh, i gotta hang it up and i'm like nah frank would be like frank we know would be like he wasn't about that life yeah. he would just say oops yeah you should you should have realized what you were dealing with in this movie though he's very regretful and we get a bunch of scenes where he's like moping in a chair or trying to give money to people to the family of the person that he killed but then you know once he gets back into it i mean our boy is is just rocking and rolling mm -hmm. um and uh, Tucker, um, I know you've talked about this at length on your show, but I mean, what what are your feelings about Warzone now? Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, it's it's funny when we talked about it. You know, talked about doing these episodes. Punisher Warzone is is like, I mean, what do you call it? It is very popular in the podcast world. Like, that is a movie that I think a lot of people want to make a podcast about and have done. Famously, there's the. Uh, that one huge one that those how did this get made guys did the comedians did mm -hmm. we're talking about this movie mm -hmm. um you know i rewatched it before you know while i was listening to the soundtrack because i knew i was going to talk to you guys about it and it's i mean i could see why it doesn't appeal you know i could see why that doesn't doesn't work or anything like that um it's a hodgepodge of influences when it comes to the punisher i mean he like he's randomly spitting out quotes from punisher max by garth Ennis, while at the same time randomly including things from previous garth Ennis comics that were done as like a joke plus like just some gonzo performances for the bad guys dominic west come i mean the, the idea that the guy i mean dominic west is one of those interesting guys who like he had that huge uplift from the wire and then used it to just really do bad movies and strange performances in them you know it's, and it's the guy um the guy who famously plays like squeeze uh victor tombs i think it is from um x-files one of the all-time great x-files bad guys whose later life has been him like doing a reality show about how he married like a child you know with her mom's permission yep. and like it's just this yeah. like strange kind of collection of stuff um, I didn't know until I was reading about it before this, that one of the, that it almost, we almost had a Warren Hill Punisher war zone, that the original sequel to the Thomas Jane Punisher was apparently going to be a Warren. <laughs> it was going to be our boy. It was going to be Walter Hill. Um, wow. Yeah. Walter, wow. Walter Whoa. Hill and Walter Hill not getting the gig at the hands of the studio is one of like the final straws that sent Thomas Jane 
you know, off into the world of the direct to video kind of movies he does nowadays. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I watched both of these with my wife who had never seen a Punisher movie in her life. <laughs> and it was just kind of fun because after it got done, she didn't like the Thomas J movie at all. She's like, it's so boring. And I was like, yeah, it's boring. But um, get to, we're watching Warzone, and within five minutes, you're like, well, this is, I mean, this is different. My man's punishing right away. You know, yeah. I mean, if you remember the Thomas Jane movie, it takes a long ass time for him to, him to get to punishing. He does a little bit of punishing and then he goes back to like hijinks, you know, and like writing <laughs> secret love letters and spraying perfume on the pillow, you know, like it's so in this one, he's just like doesn't talk for 25 minutes and decapitates an old man who's in a wheelchair. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> Make it happen. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's This feels more like a Punisher movie. It also feels more like that thing where you're like. It strikes me that the, I know this is a, not a cheap observation that I haven't really thought much about, but like there's aspects of the Punisher, I think just make him work better as a comic book character. It makes him work better in a world where you can have kind of like the, the kind of extreme nature of, of, of that kind of philosophy put into something that has a real, uh, an obvious, mi- I mean, the mixture, I think of uh, silliness and satire and grinding violence and extreme philosophy that I think comic books allow um, is not always possible in a movie that kind of needs to have a more unified kind of tone. Like if you're going to do satire and you're going to do comedy, it has to be kind of of a certain tenor and a certain volume and a certain pace and a certain tempo. Whereas a comic doesn't need to have that. And um, you know, it can't, I mean, especially when we're talking about a superhero comic, especially when we're talking about a superhero comic, like we were saying before we started recording, that really is targeted to a 12-year-old's extreme feelings, emotions, you know, that prepubescent yeah. kind of like obsession. I don't think a lot of people get mad. I mean, maybe they would. But like I was looking at a Punisher comic just, just yesterday at the store that I was like, do I have this one? And I was looking at the cover and the cover is so exploitive and sleazy and weird, but it's not offensive because you're like, this is a Punisher comic. There's no part of you that's going to look at that and be like, well, I don't know. I don't, there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you put it in a film and you have that immediacy of like a human being and actual human interaction, one thing I stru- that struck me watching this movie this time, and I actually looked her up afterwards. I was like, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie where a child is in scenes of violence and they're clearly involved in the scenes of violence. You know, yeah. at the end of this movie, there's a little girl with a gun pressed against her head, you know, and it's clear it's pressed against her head, you know, and I'm watching that actress and I'm like, you know, it's 2023. I have a 10 year old daughter. I can't help but kind of go like, what happened to that girl? And I looked her up and that girl doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> and I don't know. If, I don't know if that's yeah. just because she's a local Montreal girl and they filmed this movie in Montreal and pretend it was New York. But those kind of things don't bother you, I think, when you read a Punisher comic book. I mean, unless you're really looking to like have that conversation, I think you understand what you're into. Whereas in the film, I think reality starts to encroach. Encroach is not the right word, not crouch. Uh, but yeah, I still, that's all I said. It's a fucking, it's a kick-ass violent movie in a lot of ways. And while I don't need to see Ray Stevenson cry that much, I do like to watch Ray Stevenson that part when he punches the guy in the face so hard that his head just explodes. <laughs> Yeah. All day, baby. All day. Yeah. Oh yeah. The um yeah, it's funny is that like the the there's a bunch of really great practical kills in the movie that are yeah, like a guy's head caving in from a from a punch, a guy's head caving in from having a chair leg pushed into his head mm-hmm. that are really special. Uh yeah, but it is one of those things though where the violence is so crazy and extreme. This character is so 
clearly bloodthirsty and then just to have him then make this one mistake and be like what am i doing with my life i'm uh, like dude this is what look what you've been doing and then also to have these other characters you are clearly who, about that it's life fine, it's fine, baby <laughs> now yeah and then to also have him then encounter these people that are trying to capture him these cop characters and then they sort of just like let him go and let him do stuff and it's like but you see they see him commit like such crazy things there's like why would you let him go truly because at one point and matt you haven't seen the film correct no he um he goes after these parkour guys oh and uh he blows one of them up with a missile launcher incredible sequence mm-hmm. and then he uh then he takes one of the guys he shoots him in the leg and the guy like immediately gives up all the information that he needs and he's like hey man one for you one for me right and the Punisher's like, sure. And you see him holster his guns. And you're like, wow, the Punisher's going to like let this guy go? Smash cut to these cops driving down the street looking for the Punisher. And then all of a sudden, the guy's body just flies into the screen and impaled on a, on a, on a spiked fence. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa. And then the Punisher comes down. Yeah, because he's not dead yet. He's dying. He's not dead yet. The Punisher flies down and smashes his foot into the guy's head, breaking his neck, and then lands on the ground and then keeps walking. And then the camera just cuts back to the guy's head just sort of swinging in the rain. And then the cops are like, oh, I got to go catch him. And then I didn't catch this before, Tucker. Their fight is is kind of a they live reference. It is. It's very much a they live fight. Yeah, yeah. It's him. And it's also yeah. it's Colin Salmon. Uh, Salmon. Um who uh, at no point in the movie does a convincing American accent at all. It doesn't, it seems almost Mm -hmm. attempting to be doing not one. Like it's a strange, like his every line seems to be delivered from a different part of Britain, sort of imitating an American. And you're like, what, why, what is he supposed to be? And he's like, I'm an FBI agent, but he's like, I'm an FBI agent. So that's for Frank Cathell. You know, like, what is he doing? Like, why is he talking? And this guy's like a BBC. Like, this is an old school, you know, whatever they call that place, the old Vic. You know, like, this is a guy. Yeah. This is a, you know, he, this guy came up with like Helen Mirren on Prime Suspect. If anybody could probably do a convincing accent, I imagine he could. I, I, I think he did Resident Evil, you know, but here he's just like, what's going on? Like, Colin was like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not practicing. I'm not doing the phonetic thing for this one. It's not going to happen. Well, you know, speaking of accents, <laughs> you get C effort for worse. So. Well, you bring up the old Vic, and this is this is true. Uh, the other night, Jenny sent me a clip of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof as performed by Sienna Miller. And the accent work in this clip changes by the word. Nice. And Jenny sent me this clip and said, I feel emboldened. Maybe I can do accents now because I don't. This is I don't even know what's happening here. It's truly like insanely schizophrenic, but also it's Sienna Miller, someone who is um, I don't know Hall of Fame bad uh, bad accent work. Um, her work in Twenty One Bridges, amazing, amazing. She's supposed to be supposedly from Philadelphia. No, <laughs> no. I don't know what accent she's doing, but she ain't from Philly. Yeah, and so it's very funny because that's that's the old Vic too. So maybe it's. Maybe the old Vic standards are just dropping, you know, mm-hmm. nowadays. That might be it, too. But uh, I will say, Ray Stevenson, very convincing in his American 
killer accent mm-hmm. he's got it going on i'd say given, uh, I, 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 i'd say of all the filmic portrayals uh television film of the punisher i'd say ray stevenson is one who most to me looks like the punisher that's what the punisher should look like he should be a big chunk of beef he should have that kind of hair he should have that kind of face um he should you know i, I could do with a lot less of the crying but if you compare the crying in this to kind of like the crying i mean i don't know if you've seen that tv show i wasn't able to finish that tv show i tried but i made it season and a half and i'm like I got it. He's got PTSD. You can tell me every five. You don't need to tell me every five minutes. How about you tell me every 10 minutes? And I'm like, that'll still mean that I hear it 360 times throughout the course of this show. But I got it. He's got PTSD. I would, too, if my wife was shot in the face while I was in bed with her going like, oh, kissy face. (laughs) Oh, that's how they kill his wife in the TV show. Wow. In the morning, too. You're like, come on, man. Not in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. Gee, that's amazing terrible oh boy i actually skipped that one because i couldn't even get through daredevil it was um that was an incredibly boring it's show really bad. but uh yeah i will say that the other performance i very much enjoyed on this rewatch was dominic west and the guy who plays his brother looney because ben they jim. really did f- yeah. looney ben jim they really do feel like brothers mm-hmm. and i liked how through the whole movie they're both making insane decisions both as actors and as characters and they support each other a thousand percent Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a scene where dominic west is like my face is all fucked up i will never be able to look in a mirror again i'm a freak Mm -hmm. and ludovin jim's like i love you you're my brother and i will make sure you never look in a mirror again because i'm gonna break every mirror that exists and then suddenly realize that the room in there they're in has a million mirrors in it and he walks around breaking all of them with his body, mm-hmm. like throwing himself up against these. And then they're laughing. They're having the best time. Techno soundtrack blaring. I was just like, what is this scene? But then so, uh, clearly when they were on set, we're like, we need a scene to really show how much these brothers love each other. Mm-hmm. One of them smashing a million mirrors. That's got to be the way to go. And that's for his bro. That That's it. And yeah, through the whole rest of the movie, they're just like two guys just supporting each other mm-hmm. in their murderous plans. And then, you know, they'll be they'll go to kill somebody and he'll be like, nah, brother, I'm going to kill this one. And he's like, OK. <laughs> and yeah, they're just yeah, just two psychotic brothers. Great accent. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, well, you and, know, and I'm learning the best. That's another if Lexi Alexander, who's. You know, she has a lot of great, there's a lot of great interviews with her about how she ended up directing this movie. And one of the great things she talks about that I think is just really one of the most interesting things I ever heard about when you're making a movie with these larger companies and what Marvel kind of movies were like at the time, which is like she she talks about how she just assumed that at some point they're going to say, okay, you're not right for this. Because she was like, I'm, I'm not really the right person for this. But they just kept having her come back to meetings. And she was like, well, I don't want to say, you don't want to say no to the gig, right? Because this is a big right. deal. This is a big jump for my career. She's like, but obviously I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm not right for this. But they kept having her come back. And so you end up kind of all of a sudden one day you're like, I'm the director of a Punisher movie. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. No, I'm directing a Punisher reboot movie. I guess I better start reading some Punisher comics. I guess I start figuring out what kind of movie I'm going to make. And uh, that whole series is fascinating, but also her talking about her experience of working with Dominic West, where it's just like, he's like, am I going too far? I kind of feel like I should maybe amp it up a little bit. She's like, baby, why don't you just, 
don't you just amp it the fuck up? Why don't you just go crazy? And he's like, I think I'm just going to scream and roll around in the blood over here. Is that, is that, is that going to work out all right? She's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll set the cameras to it. You don't worry. You just do whatever you need to do. And I just love reading about all this stuff where it was like, okay. And I mean, obviously they don't make movie. They don't make Marvel movies like that anymore. There's much more control from a, a production standpoint. And of course that ends up with a somewhat, you know, more profitable product that I guess people prefer, but that's part of the charm about Warzone is that you're watching a thing that is like the sloppiness and the weirdness is right up there on screen for you to see, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that like, I mean, a lot of those, yeah, a lot of the Marvel movies, I mean, I feel like honestly, they, if you rewatch them, it's like, you're like oh god it's so boring there's like nothing and with this one there's still there's so much weird texture and little throwaway bits that i'm like you wouldn't have this you know in yeah wouldn't have this in a tightly controlled no way well matt that to to just one more thing i'd say about the the odd piece of trivia about that parkour thing um lexi alexander was a she's a stunt person before she comes to a filmmaker right and um and so when they're working on this movie and everything like that um one of her stunt guys who worked with her in this movie and that she liked and everything like that was like, I'm fucking sick of this parkour shit. Every time he's like, we're getting out there and they're, they're telling us we got to have a parkour scene or stuff like that. So I got to go find these parkour guys to coordinate because none of the stunt guys are really interested in parkour. It's not part of like their particular like tone, their particular bag of tricks. And they're like, oh, this fucking parkour shit. And she's like, you know, I got to deal with some parkour shit, but I'm doing a Punisher movie. So uh, what do you think of this idea? <laughs> and so that's how... They introduce the parkour and it's and it's played as like, oh, and, and you have in your mind, if you remember that time period, the French parkour movies that were coming out, you're like, oh, well, this is going to come up, right? These guys are doing parkour and they're shooting parkour and you're seeing the parkour. And then when they get to the third time, when you see the parkour guys, the guy's doing a parkour thing. And that's when you find out that the Punisher has a rocket launcher because a missile just comes out of nowhere and hits it. That's the way that punchline is delivered. Just out of complete nowhere. And you're like, and that's just Lexi Alexander going like, yeah, fuck these guys. This is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at it as like, it almost feels like the punchline end of parkour, too, because I feel like the parkour peak was, what, District B-13, mm-hmm. um, I'd say Casino Royale, those are like your big parkour movies, and then you blow one guy up with a missile launcher, and it's like, mm. and then obviously you also had the parkour joke in The Office, and then that's like, yeah, that's it. parkour's done. Yeah. It's done. But uh, yeah, this film, incredibly violent, and of course it has an accompanying soundtrack of, well guys, let me just run you through some genre tags. Heavy metal, mm-hmm. thrash metal, All right. metalcore, All right. industrial All rock, right. hardcore right. punk, electronic rock, post-hardcore, wow. alternative wow. metal, new metal. Mm. All of the uh, boxes have been checked. Did you purposely say new metal, metal for the end of the list there, or did you? Was that how? It, no, that's how it rolled out. That is how it's. That's how they listed on the on the on the uh, Wikipedia. I feel like I'm in good that's hands. How they've done. Yeah, it. I like it. This album, it says here that it reached the number twenty three slot on Billboard's top independent albums chart. And I can say that unlike the Thomas Jane Punisher, a majority of these songs are in the movie. Um, and, um, I marked down when I could, when I recalled them showing up, I think, uh, we've done genre tags. We talked about it's on Lionsgate records. So we'll see when that comes into play. I think if there's nothing else to discuss, Oh, I also have a physical copy of the album here. I got this on eBay for, I want to say $9 and it's pretty unadorned situation. It's, you know, Punisher on the front. 
holding his guns, arms crossed, a way the Punisher would never hold his guns. No. Just going to point that out. And uh, we get uh, some some pics in the back of uh, Punisher shooting Jigsaw, him about to kill Jigsaw. Yeah, it's it's pretty cut and dry. This one is just uh, a pretty pretty simple packaging situation. I think, uh, if all else, I think we're ready to dive into these tracks. Um, Let's dive, baby. What what do we got first here, Matt? Uh, we have a song called Warzone. Mm-hmm. Who's this by? Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie. Yeah. sheet for old rob zombie on this one <laughs> flesh beat heart ache bleeding head uh matt uh, he, he got to I see the movie and then he wrote this song inspired by the film of course yep and uh you're right the lyrics are one quick move i'm sorry yeah one quick move exploding flesh and brain That's then the a little movie, move yeah. from a bleeding heart from bleeding heart mm-hmm. suddenly flames burning through your eyes bullet meets skull meet the end of your life yeah yeah this plays over the closing credits uh of the uh, of the movie um sending you out with a skip in your step honestly this is a strong track this is strong this is uh rob wrote this with john five and he also produced it i think this is a crusher I think he did a damn good job. If Punisher's going to get a theme song, definitely get Rob on it. I'm uh, I'm into this one, Tucker. I'm also into this one. I like. I'm I'm always a fan of a uh, of any movie song. At this point, I'm even more a fan of it. Anytime a movie song is like, let's specifically mention things that happen in the movie. <laughs> let's specifically reference like Jigsaw, Jesus Saves. Let's talk about the war zone that we're going to die in the war zone, but you can't kill like all of this stuff. There's just like a real charm to it. It's just like, yeah, this is the thing I just saw. That's the guy in it. He's talking about him. That was the movie I saw. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, how'd you feel about that one? Well, I mean, when you have a riff that sturdy, you could hang damn near anything on it. I don't think they're really breaking any new boundaries with this song. But at the end of a Punisher film, I feel like this is exactly what you Mm -hmm. want. I don't want to hear Um, about the Dracula at the end of the Punisher movie unless he rides around in the Dracula. Then you could talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine how much killing Frank Castle would do in the Dracula? the Dracula? That war would be over immediately. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but Punisher peacetime will never sell. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. 
No, it is fine, but it is like it is mid tier Rob Zombie. He is way better than this, but even him writing a song to cash a check is a pretty damn good Mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Songmeanings.com had a couple good comments. Birdman 1992 said, Love this song. It's a song where you can walk into any room and feel like a badass while listening to it. Love the visual with that. This guy, headphones on, and he's like, Time to go into ACT tutoring. <laughs> Feeling like a fucking badass, badass. Ah, uh, don't don't worry about me. I'm just here to teach you about STEM. That's right, baby. In the war zone. Uh <laughs> shots in your face, exploding brains. Make sure you get good rest before your test. That's right. And then a comment from the beast inside of me is gonna get ya, which is one incredible ass screen name. Said this song is so sick. IDK why anyone hasn't commented on it. If this is any indication of what Rob's new album is going to sound like, I'm really digging it. This song is so heavy, it hurts. Oh, wow. Wow. So heavy, it hurts. So heavy, it hurts. So strong start. Rob Zombie doing the damn thing. I think we're ready to just dive into the next one, which is Slayer and their song, Final Six. This song has an an intro that goes for a minute 12, and then the boys start riffing up at a minute 12. So if you want to hop ahead to hear the boys really dive in. Oh, you know I'm ready to to hop ahead. baby doing slayer stuff <laughs> uh, i gotta tell you this song fucking rips man this thing is oh boy like at first it starts and i'm like slayer slowing it down why would they slow it down for the fucking punisher and it's like oh no that's a that's a bait and switch that's a bait and switch the boys are here the boys are here to shred shred it up i was i was very impressed i, I wrote i noted this is a bonus track from their album christ illusion which look up that album art if you got a minute. Oh boy. If this was the bonus track, then that album must just melt your body when you listen to it. If this was one that they were like, I don't know, we'll leave this one off. Like, like what the hell else is happening on Christ Illusion? Incredible shit. How'd you feel about this one, Tucker? I also, I, 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 I have not really kept up with Slayer past a certain, like, was this Slayer that came out when I was in high school or the first year of college? If it wasn't, I'm not interested. So this was the first I'd say like post a certain like, I don't know, 2004 Slayer or something like that. I was like, well, 
I guess my boys were still clocking in. They were still playing the tunes because this works out pretty well for me. It doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't feel like an age went up whatsoever. I loved it. So, yeah. So. Uh, yeah I like this one a lot. Matt? Uh, I mean, they're doing the damn thing. This is this is impeccable. The riffs, uh, the subject matter. Um, so this makes me feel like like Frank Castle would be using this to torture somebody. <laughs> Just so he's like, I heard they played Rain and Blood to torture uh, to torture people. I'm going to use this song. Put the headphones full blast to make you go deaf before he shoots you. Not really a Frank Castle thing, but he might do it. Do you remember what part? Well, when did they play this one in the movie? This It's in the movie. I believe it's being played in a, the background of something with the parkour guys walking around, maybe. Okay. Maybe something like something on the street is is uh, I know I remember hearing it, but I can't remember the specific scene. The machete through the head um, scene, that thing. Ooh, maybe. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe it might be the machete in the head scene. Yeah, so gory. It might be that. One. I get it. I also yeah. in a second. I looked up that Christ Illusion album art. Whoa, baby. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's tough stuff there. <laughs> Tough stuff. There. I love. The, I love the uh, the Slayer album art meeting they have. All right, everybody's here. Lombardo's here. Okay, we can start. Here's our options: <laughs> horrific or disgusting. And they're like, mm, I'm gonna go with horrific. You know, this time, I think. I think we need to scar some people again. So the boys in Slayer really did it. Songmeetings.com had a lot of great comments, of course, for this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite is from. Another incredible username, TurboTax64. Classic. This song is the greatest song in the whole motherfucking world. I don't care what anyone says, but this song kicks the shit out of everything else I listen to. Slayer has been motherfucking awesome for their many years as a band, and this is what has added up to that, a Grammy-winning, goddammit, awesome song. Keep up the fix of the metal, Slayer peoples. That is a true fucking fan but also yeah this song kicks the shit out of everything else i listen to this guy says that this is better than his own taste Mm -hmm. he's like everything i listen to it's shit because this song kicks its ass Mm -hmm. much like frank castle this song obliterates everything else (laughs) i love absolutely there's a scene in this movie matt where the uh, where uh, Frank is going through this building, killing everybody in the building, mm-hmm. He's as get, he does, as he does, and being inventive but not showoffy, because that's not the Punisher's move. The Punisher is efficiency largely over everything else. So this movie does have a little bit of the showoffy stuff, and he sees this smoke emanating from an elevator shaft, and he opens up the elevator shaft, and there's a guy in there just smoking a joint. And he sees the Punisher, and the and he goes, ah, shit. And then the Punisher unloads two automatic pistols into his head to, to completely just nothing. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, this this movie this movie gets Frank better. This movie gets Frank better than uh than uh, than they've done it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other comment I should mean from Real Ramus, who said who said um he quotes the lyrics from the song. The world will bleed while horsemen ride. Now that God has wept for Judas' days are numbered. Find your grave forever trying to escape to hell. And he said, shivers down my spine, man. I couldn't in my sweetest dreams imagine writing like this. Drums rock on this song. Lombardo rules. Should I get the album? 
Yes, no? <laughs> I do. There is. That's a weird turn. There, there is a very like in my in my house, there are two wolves kind of quality of like following the Rob Zombie lyrics, which are very much like blunt force trauma of like, I'm in the war zone. I'm going to die. I'm not going to die. You're going to die. Blood on my knuckles. And then this one, which is just the most like purple over the top rose i mean it's just like the blood of the horseman comes within you beseech you no this gown shall fall you know just lie for i am 12 and i am writing you marvel comics i love i just love this like both things uh, frank can hold both in each hand you know like it's it, he can he can the whole world baby ah <laughs> uh, yes um all right, well, let's keep it going. Uh, we know this song very well. Psychosocial by Slipknot. I gotta tell you, this song still fucking incredible. Best song on All Hope Is Gone. Great to hear it here. I, I feel like I almost forgotten how much this song rips. It's a real, it's a real good Slipknot song. Yeah. In in the movie, it plays over a sequence where Jigsaw and Looney Bin Jim have gone out and recruited all the gangs in New York to fight the Punisher, and they're all gonna go to this hotel, and they all go to the hotel in orderly lines. These are incredibly or- orderly and organized gangs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at one point there's a shot of a gang and they're all walking in a single file line carrying their gear into this hotel. And it's incredibly funny to consider. Like they were just like, I think they were just like, how can we get everybody in the shot and it not be chaos to look at? Yep. Everybody stand in a single file line. <laughs> That's how we'll do it. Imagine you're imagine you're back in grade school and you're lining up for the drinking fountain. Except instead of water at the end, it's you killing the Punisher, or really the Punisher killing you. Mm. But set to this fucking ripper of a song, so it's just like, and it's like, look at these orderly gang members. Yeah, great to hear it here. Perfect placement in the movie. Very happy to hear it, Tucker. I'm not a big Slipknot guy, but a- a- after I-, I was listening to this, watched the movie, listened to this, listened to this some more, I was like. Maybe I should become a Slipknot guy. I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying what these guys are bringing to the table. Like it's a, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take too long before you discover why they have as much success as they have. It's like, oh yeah, these guys fucking yeah. rip. <laughs> this, I, I, I was, I was great. They're one over. I, uh, I incorporated this into into my regular daily life, and I have to say, yeah. You know, I, I mean, if this is this is what they've got to offer, then I'm interested. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Are you considering slip? <laughs> what's that? What's that Leonardo DiCaprio line from Django Unchained? Where's it? You have my attention, or whatever it is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You had my interest. Now you have my attention. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, then, my interest in some Iowa. 
if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> take oh a yeah. Sorry, sorry take to ask, a dip into the eye. To, to ask, sorry to ask a dumb guy question, but these are they're also are they are they a, wear a mask band too? Are they one of the, they're the mask? Yes, era, they right? are. They're one of the biggest wear mask mm-hmm. bands out there today. Still holding down the mask. Every so I got album, a question. When, different did, mask. Did, did every album you get different mask. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, I was just going to ask if like somebody else comes along, you get a new drummer, does he wear the old guy's mask? No, but everybody gets a new mask every time. Yep. Yeah, each each album has either been a refinement on the initial style of your mask. So like Clown, mm-hmm. well, he started with very much a Halloween clown mm-hmm. mask that over time has morphed into... Like a lady clown. Like, exactly. No, like a one, one time... It was more of like, yes, you could tell it was a clown, but it was like way stitched up. Like it was a very hyper-realistic, mutilated face clown mask. And now he's like wearing almost like a cyborg-looking mm-hmm. clown mask. So he, each one, Corey's masks, he's the one who's kind of like, who knows? Every mask for Corey is like, a, guess what he's going to do? Because he started very much with like this scarecrow Batman vibe. Mm-hmm. With like pretty much a, a burlap sack with the holes cut out and then like ratty dreads coming out. And now he's wearing, I, I don't even know how to describe it. What Like his current mask is. Well, I'm trying to remember now what the current, because the, the current mask was a, was a corrective from the previous album's mask that no one liked. That basically was right. like plastic surgery victim see-through mask situation, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you you whiffed, you miffed it." The mask for Volume Three for Corey is still the best one, which is like decayed face that got the jaw ripped off, and we stitched it back on. Okay, um, yes, with dreads. That one's great. I would say Tucker. After we're done, definitely look up the music video for Duality. Uh-huh in which they perform the song inside a house that is being destroyed by their fans as they perform inside it. It's an all-timer video. I believe recently when Holiday Kirk did a list of the best music, new metal music videos of all time, that was number one. Ooh. And uh, I don't believe he's wrong. That, that video is fucking killer. And the song's great, too. Top-tier bat-to-barrel work in that song, as we've talked about in the past. So we all agree, Slipknot are great. This is great in the, in the movie. The Punisher, I mean, the Punisher would probably think that Slipknot are a little too theatrical, mm-hmm. but then he'd have to admit that he does walk around with a big skull on his shirt. Mm-hmm. So he has to sort of give it back. I did want to ask you, Tucker, real quick, in these other iterations of the Punisher over the years, what are your feelings on when they try to like eye patch him, give him a beard or give him a mask? What do you feel about that? It feels like a an affectation on a part of a... And I mean, I understand. I think I think everybody wants to kind of have their own input on something that they work on, especially when they work on a property. But it doesn't strike me as anything that has anything to do with organically with the story. And I think it kind of moves away from like what he originally was. You know, like I, I it, that's kind of a strange answer because at the same time, like how does it change him so much to have an eye patch or a, a, a facial hair? But I think if you really look at it, the only people that have like really gone into like messing with him visually are creators that are also pretty much on the record as not liking him. 
And so I feel like, you know, doing things like that is an attempt to somehow change him and morph him into something so that they're no longer doing the thing that they don't like, because it's not something that, I mean, there are times that he shows up with facial hair in the um, uh, 90s comic, but that also strikes me as more as like, what's going to happen when you do like seven issues of a thing a month that probably can only handle two, you know? Uh, but yeah, I think that's stupid. I think it's dumb. That's what I think. I think it's really fucking stupid and people shouldn't do it. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I will say though that Matthew Rosenberg, I believe it was Matthew Rosenberg's run where he put him in the Iron Man armor mm-hmm. um, was actually very funny and very effective. That one really seemed to nail like what would happen if you gave the Iron Man armor to Punisher and he would mash people into, into pulp. Mm-hmm. That's what he would. I have a lot of um, just basic like human kind of empathy for uh, Rosenberg because I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be the guy who has the job of writing Punisher right at the moment where all of a sudden uh, SWAT teams and uh, uh, American military special forces guys are on the record of like putting on that particular shield and going out and like doing horrible things in real life to real people. You know, even Innis, who's my all-time favorite Punisher writer, didn't have to deal with that. Rosenberg is the guy who's just like an up-and-coming comics writer, I think. I don't think he's very old. Uh, And he was like just kind of making his way. And all of a sudden, he's the guy. He's the guy who has to write down this character that has all of a sudden become a flashpoint and probably one of the most disgusting, racist, awful culture wars that actually had like a body count behind it. I got nothing but I mean, and that guy handled it pretty well, I got to say. But at the same time, like, oh, that's a tough one. So, yeah, put him in the war machine armor. It's a great idea. (laughs) Beautiful stuff. All right. Next up. Rise Against and their song History Calamitatum. I mean, I, I love a good pop punky rock anthem song. This is wonderful. I like it, um, but I don't feel very punishery. I'll tell you that. I could see uh, Frank shooting a jukebox during this song. <laughs> yeah, Just turn that shit off because I want to. I want you to hear yourself die. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Um, I believe this is in the movie. Right. I believe it is when I believe there's also with the parkour guys something. I was going to say this feels like a running song. Like somebody has to be running when this is playing. Shit. I wish I'd written it down. I do remember this in the movie. It has, it, it is, it is very much, uh, Matt, you're, you're right on it's, it's, it has something to do with running or jumping. And I think that's why we're thinking it's the parkour thing, but it definitely is like a, getting something's getting ready to happen it's not something happening it's something getting ready to happen 
it's the it's the prep mm. time before the like pew pews kind of start happening yeah i am um, for me every time i listen to the soundtrack i was you know i'm off of three rippers mm-hmm. um and so this always brought the temperature down for me and i always had to go and look who it was and then be reminded that i saw these guys open for the foo fighters once and they were so tasteful that i was bored out of my mind like I was just like these guys. I could play this for my parents. Like it's so like they made Foo Fighters seem edgy. Mm-hmm. That's just something I'm gonna say about Rise Against. Like they were just like, we're so happy to be here. Thanks so much. I'm like, okay, I know. Are your mothers all backstage? Like that's the vibe that this rock show had. So I've never really been into these guys. And then hearing this song, I was like, this basically checks out for what I would imagine Rise Against would be like. So yeah. Um, as far as why this is on the soundtrack, um. I mean, the, we've got this line, when it rains, it pours like summer storms, the skies as gray as leaves, the rivers flood the banks and spill into the streets. And uh, there are a lot, a lot of passionate comments on songmeanings.com from these Rise Against fans who I, I don't know what you would call them, Rises. RAs, you know what? You call them RAs. You call them RAs. Because, <laughs> you, yeah, because that's who would listen to Rise Against is your RA. You'd, you'd go down, hey, we're going to have a party this weekend. Is it okay? And he'd have to turn down his rise against to give you the yay or nay on whether or not it's okay. Yeah, what I'm saying is that rise against is narc music. That's what I'm saying, mm-hmm. okay? That's what, I heard that's it. That's what I'm putting out it came there. through loud and clear. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Matt, I, any other thoughts on rise against? No, I mean, I would say that rise against is a little more, in my experience with the band, let me see if I can find the album that I had from them. Uh, because I definitely, definitely had an album uh, from these guys. And they were one of those bands that really pushed, like, being political. And, hey, we have, um, you know, we have a police state. They did a Rock Against Bush thing back in the 2000s. Like, they definitely wear their politics on their sleeve. Uh, but I don't feel that in this song per se. This just feels like I'm going to hear it 700 times as I restart this lap on Tony Hawk Pro Skater because <laughs> I didn't land the first trick. So just going to hear this song again. That's true. Yeah, there was a lot of arguments about whether or not the, the flooding that is mentioned in the song is literal or figurative. So that's what you're dealing with. So um, I'm I'm feeling this uh, uh this uh this song I I, I gotta say once again songmeetings.com baby I love this thing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my job <laughs> my wife's gonna leave me I'm spending so much time in this fucking stupid website <laughs> but this this part in here where the guy says I think it's about the German Blitz on London in 1943 when it rains and pours talks about the bombs dropped in London the sky is as gray as leaves talk about German bombers all over the sky and I just like. Buddy, I just want to live in your life. I want to live in your mind. <laughs> I want to listen to this song and be like, yep. So that's about the Blitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> I got... so you gotta... uh, Tucker, I don't know if you're aware of, of this thing that happens on our show. <laughs> But what you just did is a world class got him. <laughs> That's an incredible guy. <laughs> so I got I got to know Matt. So you you got I, I this band is a band that like I I've, I've known of this band's existence. They yeah. cannot find purchase in my brain. Like it's just they're scrambling up the side and they're sliding right yep. off, you know. Um, to, is the using Latin <laughs> Is that common with them? This is this new. Is new. Okay. This is very new. <laughs> okay. What are you doing, man? 
<laughs> okay. I mean, I wasn't tr- a tremendously big fan. The album that I mm-hmm. had... I associate these guys with Dashboard Confessional. Why is that? Why do I associate them? They have any connection to Dashboard Confessional? No, I just think a lot so. of the S's uh, and H's. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, there's wait, no H in the I, words I, "rise actually, against." I don't know where that's coming from. There's... Well, it says it says that they are their their affiliated labels are Fat Rack, Geffen, Interscope. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see Rise Against on a dual bill with, um, with Dashboard Confessional. Mm-hmm. I could see that totally working. Okay. Um, because like I said, these guys don't rock that hard. So I, I think it would, no, they're fit. much in that pop punk mm-hmm. vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. It says here on their Wikipedia that they're known for outspoken social commentary and they have discussed a wide range of topics, including animal rights, economic injustice, environmental disasters, forced displacement, homophobia, and modern warfare. So you're telling me they're a bunch of modern buzz is what they are. <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> we're gonna you know we've been having fun tonight but could we get serious for just a minute uh and talk about some forced displacement that's what this next song's about exactly it's like, like uh, you have these really pop punky songs you're just like wait a minute factory farming is the devil and right. it's yep and it's i hear that and i'm just like you know what this is why yeah this is why i prefer my pop punk from yeah, honestly from boys like my Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy. They're singing about girls and 9-11, the two most important topics in the world. Mm-hmm. So, If I'm going to listen to stuff about animal rights, I'm going to stick to Moby's Everything is Wrong, baby. Crack that stuff <laughs> There <up>. you go. <laughs> I'm just going to sit there and I'll be like, oh, man, there's DDT and breast milk, man. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> man, we are fucked. <laughs> Whoa, that's trouble. Oh, shit, the song from Heat. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, next up, next up, listen, if you're going to make, this is what I learned from watching these movies and listening to the soundtracks. If you are making a Punisher movie in the two thousands, the call goes out and they say, I need Seether now you get them. So here they are once again, Seether fallen. does not frequent strip clubs to my knowledge right does he well matt let me tell you no time for love dr jones situation here what do we got this song is played in the movie in a scene where it does appear to actually be playing in the car that the characters are in because it's looney bin jim Mm -hmm. and jigsaw they've just sold out a russian mobster Mm -hmm. and now they're driving and they're listening to this song and one of them starts talking. I don't remember which one, but one of them starts talking. I want to say it's Looney Bin Jim. And there's this brief, like so brief, like shrug from the other actor. 
as if he's like, oh, don't talk. I'm listening to the song. But then he keeps going. And then, well, it was in, isn't it in Seether's contract that all of their music be diegetic? <laughs> probably. Like, they're just like, listen, our music gotta be, has to be diegetic. Listen, if, if, you, if the characters can't hear us, we don't want it. <laughs> Every, whoever's listening to us in the movie is a fan. And they're like, listen, listen, the fans of your of your music in this movie are two serial killers, um, cannibals. Mm-hmm. One of them is horribly mutilated. Uh, and they're Sales like, a sale. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> Money's money, baby. Green's green. Um, so uh, this is uh, I would say this is some pretty grimy seether. I thought this was of the seether songs that we've heard affiliated with the Punisher. I think this was the best one. And I was like, what is this doing in the movie? And it appears to be an anti-plastic surgery song. Although I'm not really sure who the Fallen are necessarily. There's, of course, a lot of uh, a lot of great open-minded thoughts on plastic surgery and body modification in the comments at songmeanings.com. This one, I was like, you know what? If you're going to get Seether for something like this, you know, and I mean, I would say he's doing... Um, He's doing a, I guess like a, a halfway Kurt Cobain ripoff, but he's not quite. Um, he's 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 given enough of him on it that he's got plausible mm-hmm. deniability. That if somebody were to be like, "Oh, you got a little bit of Kurt Cobain," he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I guess I could hear it." You know, unlike I, oh oh yeah, please oh, oh I guess oh, me you know I appreciate wasn't that. really what I was going for. Oh, you know, that's just I'm just I'm just being me on the mic. I don't know what to tell you. You know. I mean, that's just what happens sometimes. Um, Do you hear this and just feel like, uh, I am in the butt. This is, this is, I am surrounded by cheek. I'm just, he just does those things that are just straight butt. But probably would have been a good song for out of those three rippers. If you're gonna go three rippers into Butt Town, that's easier than the punk pop Tom. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, I, I, this is yeah, this is huge butt. Absolutely. Songmeanings.com. You got a guy here, Prof W, who says I love his Kurt styled sarcasm here. It's about women getting a ton of plastic surgery to improve their appearance, making them fake as a mannequin. So I like that he's once again the shadow of Kurt hanging over these guys this guy lucier says a pretty easy song to interpret i like it i especially the lines i got my ticket for the next makeover i lost my taste for this i'll keep my pride especially celebrities are always getting these goodie bags and free trials of beauty products they get the exclusives for everything first trials so on and so forth okay what the goodie bags is is after the show you have to pay taxes on the goodie bags that they actually like that they're going to send a tax bill to beyonce i was like yo 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 if no maybe you should make sure that beyonce wants like a fucking like one of those little stupid smart cars before you give it to her i don't need her paying like some seven thousand dollar bill at the end of the year bullshit it's out of line i don't like it (laughs) <laughs> this anger at uh, goodie bags. Okay. Uh, justified. Justified. I would say not for the reasons that this man. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild <laughs> guess that the uh, that, uh, that this song meanings guy has got a different reason that I've got for not liking goodie bags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a, another guy. His name is uh, Juggalo666666 mm. who says. Mark and Mark. Gotta love. <laughs> Yeah. The, the double mark. Double mark. 
<laughs> I got the six up here. I got the six in the back. You see me coming and going, baby. Hey, I this guy rides deep for Satan. Uh, he says, "I ride with a hatchet for the devil." Uh, and he says, "Gotta love Seether," which debatable. Uh, yeah, this one's pretty much nail on the head. Fake tits and bunches of makeup. People wanting to get plastic surgery to be who they are on the inside. Fake. And I was like, okay. All right. Wow, that's okay. All right. Um up next. I don't really um, I don't I mean I'm not gonna yeah. join in on the, the, the cultural dog pile of the juggalo community, but uh but I will say I don't really associate <laughs> the juggalo community as being particularly anti fake breast. Like that's not <laughs> <laughs> that one of the teachings of the insane clown posse. <laughs> Wait. Let me just uh go to my reference here of uh <laughs> Things that they're into, Nedden, aka pussy, and big titty hoes. So I think they are pro fake friends. Uh, yes, uh, the juggle. Flappies, happy, flappy. Happy. I, I, feel, I feel like there's plenty of juggalos out there that if we were speaking to them like live, like someone would be like, this man doesn't speak for us. This man, this man doesn't speak for the community. <laughs> the juggalo council would like to object. Wait, is this yeah. juggalo, is uh, this the one with the double six by six, six, six? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. We got rid of him a long time yes, ago. Yes, the, the court of roach coach acknowledges big, thick, juicy nuts 69. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy doesn't speak for us. He's a netting hole, and uh, get him out of here. We love all. T- we love all tits. We love them all. <laughs> yep, that's right. He, he's definitely not speaking for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like how it's the most Midwest band that's ever been, and we still give their fans kind of East yeah. Coast. Absolutely, absolutely. Up next. We've got an artist oh, wait. named Curly mm. and their song, Bulletproof. Lionsgate Records. It's Monday morning. And uh, Johnny Lionsgate is like, hey, we got a Punisher movie coming out. Sure do, man. Johnny, um, this is going to be a big one. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. We're running we into- got this director, stunt lady. Stunt lady director. 
Ray Stevenson, he's, no one knows who the fuck he is. This is going to be just a big barn burner. Johnny, and, uh, Johnny, my, my mother's a big fan of the TV show Rome. <laughs> oh, great. Perfect. Well, then then she's there opening night. Perfect. Opening night. Um, she loves the Rome head. She's a Rome head. She's a Rome head. Okay. <laughs> Huge Rome head. Huge Rome head. And where there's one, uh, there's, there's a, a lot more. That's right. <laughs> They're yeah. like roaches, the romance. <laughs> the romance. So, uh, but unfortunately, I, I made a call, and uh, Amy Lee won't come back for another Punisher. Season. Oh, she said, boo. "She said one's. She said one's all I'll do." And I feel like it'd be weird to have a Seether song, but not have something that sounds like Evanescence. So, do we have anything? And then this lowly intern crawls under the door and he said, I have an artist named Curly. And they go, what? You're fine. And he goes, the song's called Bulletproof. And he slams on the desk and he slides back under the door and they go, you saved your job, intern. You saved your fucking job. That's what we need. Fake Amy Lee and the song's called Bulletproof. They probably didn't even listen to this fucking thing. Mm. It's not in the movie as far as I can tell. Is it not? Is this not? Is, is that not the riff that they're playing when he's like wandering around to head down to his, his cubbyhole after he kills? The... No, I no. OK, I thought that was just general score. I thought that was just general. Okay. score. I don't I don't recall this song in the movie. Um, I'm not willing one... to go back and check. <laughs> <laughs> I flat out refuse. You got to speak. You got, you got to space out your viewings. You got to space out your viewings. You know, this if might you were viewing. to told, if you were to have told me this is where Frank is crying, I would have it believed has that you. Quality. Like this yeah. is on, yeah. it, mm-hmm. like oh, we need it, yeah, because this is the biggest praise and worship song I've heard on this soundtrack. You so know what far. I will do, Lauren? I will email the Embassy of Estonia because something tells okay. me. They don't get a lot of questions like this, and uh, this is the first time I can remember an Estonian artist making their way into a movie soundtrack that I've given a shit about. So I have to assume it's the first time it's ever happened, and I'll contact that country, and I'll let you know what they say. Please do. Please do. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of comments in the song meanings, uh, over on songmeanings.com about this song about being an emotionally abusive relationship. The only comment that I found good for our show, though, was from Liz1001, who said, I haven't heard the whole song, but I love the lyrics. This girl's listening to 30 seconds of the song, Googling the lyrics and going, she fucking did it. Whoever Curly is. If that's your real name, which I confirmed is her real name. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yep, definitely got to make my whole recording career be- being called Curly. Yeah, she loved it. So this is uh, yeah, this is the part of the uh, soundtrack where I was like, okay, so do, do we run out of rippers? Are we done with rippers? What's going on? And the next up we have our contest winners. The band's name is Seven Days Away. The song, Take Me Away. Yeah. 
Hey man, do your thing. Do your thing. Congratulations, you got on this soundtrack. <laughs> These boys are from Connorsville, Indiana. This initially seemed very creedy, but is way more screaming and in general seems honestly way heavier than Creed would generally ever be. It's got a huge yarl. It's very butt, but it's honestly not the worst thing here. That's the nice thing oh, I will say. Um, no. Honestly, I could see this song possibly being from the POV of the Punisher, the Punisher in this movie especially. Yeah. Um, there must be something sworn to tear me down. Oh, yeah. My pain is building, tearing me inside out. Oh, yeah. Will I finish last again here? I wait for this to end. I force the pain I struggle with, and I am open to you. This sounds like this Punisher, you know, he's got a little bit of that self-doubt. Um, <laughs> but certainly... Certainly, if the the comic book Punisher saw this movie version of himself, he'd be like, "This Punisher ain't about that life. Mm-mm. What's he doing? What's he doing giving up? What's he? What? what one, one guy he accidentally killed? One guy? Mm-hmm. One guy? <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? You know, I got a, a little little movie detour. Right? It does seem to me at times when I'm watching this, I'm like, because they never explain exact that guy that they, they imply early on, he's taking the boss's money and washing it somewhere. But when that uh, is pushed against a little bit by the bad guy, this is the cop, the, the undercover FBI guy. Um, and he wants to go get his money back. He can't find his money. Um, and there's no real, that's never unpacked. And a part of me was like, in a longer version of this movie, is there a scene where they show that this guy is somehow dirty, which would then <laughs> give Frank mm-hmm. the magical, which he, he usually has that in the comics. In the comics, usually when yeah. the Punisher does accidentally kill somebody, it's usually revealed a couple issues later. It's like, actually, no, that person was dirty. <laughs> the, the hand of God came down and was like, no, 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 you didn't mess up. That, that person should have been killed. We just didn't know at the time. <laughs> and in the movie, it's never explained. It's always that he made a mistake, collateral damage, he killed an undercover cop. But there is this implication that like something is going to be explained about all of the missing money, which is never explained and never dealt with again. It's just brought up a few times. It's part of the motivating reason that Dominic West goes after the wife, play uh, famously played by the lady from Dexter that... <laughs> I'm not going to finish that one. But anyway, so it's like all that shit, but it's never explained. They never deal with any of it. No, I mean, what's also funny is that she is so angry at the Punisher for killing her husband Mm -hmm. that she is ready to shoot him in the head in front of her daughter on the porch Mm -hmm. while her daughter is outside coloring at nine o'clock at night. Normal thing for a child who's eight, eight years old, like who just buried her dad. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go outside. um, Also in November, and color <laughs> at nine thirty on a Tuesday. <laughs> on, yeah, and then yeah, and then, and then um, and then but then he wins them over by punching one guy so hard in the head that his head explodes, and then shooting another guy point blank in the face with a shotgun, and uh, while holding the little girl. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you watch that scene, it's clear that he's holding a doll, not a little girl. Oh, uh, probably because her head is turned away. So I'm pretty sure he's yeah. I can tell you that um. You know, I don't remember every moment of my theatrical experience seeing this film the first time, but when he shot that dude in the fucking face, me and my buddy fucking lost it. We lost our minds. We're like, okay, this is the best Punisher movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Send the missives out. Let everybody know. They nailed it with this one. The thing thing that makes that that part so charming and watching it again, it still holds up 
is that the way uh, movies at this level and the style of movie are made nowadays is there is like a cost factor that's put into it. And that cost factor is tied into lines and scenes. And so somebody who's like an under five or something like that is more likely to like bite it in these earlier scenes throughout. But when you have actors who have, they have subplots, they have conversations that don't involve the protagonist. They're literal, they're actual characters that are developed. And in this movie, those guys are actually developed. They have multiple scenes interacting with other characters, interacting with things that aren't involving the Punisher, aren't involving Dominic West. And so when they die so horribly, way before you've gotten to the climax of the movie, there's like a a meta textual kind of surprise to it. Cause you're like, wait, you you just killed the, that guy was supposed to make it all the way to the end. Cause the way these movies work is like, everybody's in line, bad guy, second tier, bad guy, third tier, bad guy. And those guys are just like, no, we're going to kill him before the big action scene in this grotesque, horrific fashion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it also, I think really brings another, I thought about their, their deaths a little bit more on this viewing as like, um, yeah, like life interrupted. Mm-hmm. Like these guys had perhaps a whole thing that was going to play out with the one guy being on cocaine mm-hmm. and the and him being his son, and maybe there'd be some sort of reckoning because he's always telling his son, "Keep your nose clean, don't do cocaine." And his son's like, "I'm going to do cocaine." And then it's like, "No, the Punisher is interrupting whatever exactly. you had planned. Mm-hmm. Going to explode both your heads uh, within seconds of each other." Really, one of the um, one of the charming. I'm you know I'm a huge fan of the Jack Reacher novels, and one of the things that's very charming about the Jack Reacher novels that has never made it into the film or the TV version is that in the Jack Reacher novels, I, there's times when you're reading it and it's like the character doesn't understand how these types of thrillers are supposed to work, which is that you're reading a 500 page book and they set up who the huge bad guy is. And then Jack Reacher's like, I should kill that guy. And he kills him 200 pages in. And they're like, well, what's the rest of the book about? (laughs) Like, we just, we just got rid of the main villain, you know, like it ends up being like, it's like, no, I'm actually, now I'm going to go kill 35 henchmen. That's going to be the rest of the book. And you're like, but I don't, these are nobodies, you know, who gives a shit? You killed the guy who was like King vampire, you know, like now that's all over. And he does that over and over again. It never gets old. It's always fun. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, I always I have there's a there's a lot of really great punishers also where he shows up somewhere to kill one guy and then other guys show up to also kill those guys and then he's like ooh two for one mm-hmm. and he gets like excited and uh I think there's a really good I think it's a Chuck Dixon one where I think it's called like 25 to 1 mm-hmm. and he's planning to meet a supplier for I know that one dr- yeah a gun drop i probably read this comic like 50 times as a kid and and it yeah it all takes place over like 15 minutes and basically yeah like he goes to kill these guys these other guys see the guys he's going to kill they show up to kill him and then he ends up killing everybody and then i think he spares the life of like some gangbanger who doesn't have any shoes on or something and then he's like at the end of the comic is literally like well i just killed 25 guys and i'm i'm gonna be early that's great. I go get a soda or something. It's like the Punisher having a good day. Mm. Extra bodies. <laughs> I think it's also when he's driving the armored taxi. Those are some good comics. Mm-hmm. The Punisher and the armored taxi ones. Those are some good ones. Um, And uh, that's, I think, all we have to say about seven days away. I don't think we have more. Yeah, we don't have more. Uh, up next, we have a band called Census Fail. And the song is called The Past is Proof. If I think Did 
did they say searching for the truth? <laughs> was those, was were those the words, Matt? Uh, One second. No, we're going take back. It back. I'm take going it back. back. Take it back. Take okay, it back. It's take it back. Twenty-four seconds. Yes. <laughs> Good for you guys. Good for you. Take that. Is that a word barber? What do oh, we yeah, got going on? Uh, let me tell you. I I Census Fail is a band I've seen on t-shirts for many, mm-hmm. many years. Never oh, heard yeah. a note. Never heard a note. But me these neither. Were, this, this is a, the first Census Fail song I've ever heard. But now literally when this started, I was like, Census Fail. Seen them on shirts. A ubiquitous band that somehow I'd never heard before, and I hear this now, and it just reconfirms my personal feeling that, with the exception of like three bands, that entire Warp Tour era is made up of nothing but trash. These guys stink. What are they doing here? What does this have to do with the Punisher? Really, this feels more egregious than the Rise Against song. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the singer is bad. Like through this whole song, I'm just like, this is all trouble. Like this is no good, um, and I, I I mean I was really mad when I wrote my notes for this, and I said, <laughs> imagine being a census fail super fan. What a lost life. Uh, Tucker, two in one show, a world class got good. him that's from good. Lauren. Scathing. <laughs> yeah. You know that's a pitchfork review yeah. right there. <laughs> the classic days. Remember when they had the monkey, oh, yeah. the monkey peeing in its own mouth? Remember that M- monkey peeing in his own mouth? Beautiful moment. Bitch, yeah. Beautiful moment. Yep, yep. Or the um, what the what was the 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 the, the black kids album? Party traumatic, and they just put um, sad puppies and sorry. <laughs> we hyped this band, but they suck. You know, those were the days. Those were the good old days. Those were the days. Yeah, yeah this was bad. And uh, there are zero songmeanings.com comments for this song because even census fail fans were like, we'd rather not be associated with this. I don't, I don't know how you in this. I mean, I realize this didn't come out in 2023, but I think this pretty much applies any really time post like, I don't know, 97. But I don't know how you still whip out a lyric like, I'll never let a tie be my noose. Like, really? Like, really? <laughs> like, I'll never let a tie be my noose? Get the fuck out of here, man. You can seriously well, tell me that like the way you're operating and the band senses fail trump's like some dude who's like i'm gonna put on a tie i'm gonna go work in you know i gotta work in like um real estate insurance <laughs> the, the banking yeah, sector like, oh okay shut the fuck up man what are you talking about <laughs> a tie be my news <laughs> okay well no that's that is definitely somebody who was listening to fallout boy and said i can do this <laughs> i can do this i can i can make this work and it's like sorry you ain't you ain't pete wentz all right you ain't doing it. This is terrible, and I hated it. <laughs> Next terrible up, and I hated I, it. I'm excited. I'm excited. Good. I'm ready. For All this right. One. This is this is this yeah. is a big oh, one. This is a big one. Yes, 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 yes. It's machines of loving grace. <sighs> butterfly wings. Oh. This song's a fucking banger. Yeah. 
back in City oh. Club. It's 2000. I'm dancing my ass off to Butterfly Wings. Ah, this is an A plus for mm-hmm. me. I love this song. I I love this very much. This I don't know if this fits the the Punisher vibe that they've set up earlier. Is a is a great song. I don't know if it's Punisher the album needed, but I don't mind hearing it. That's for sure. Diegetic, it's playing out of a club. I'm right there with you, man. Like these those first two machines of Love and Grace albums, like, oh god damn, every fucking song on there. I had that shit on CD when I moved out here and I got a pickup truck that had a tape player. Some of the first things I tracked down were Machines Love and Grace, album one, album two, on cassette. I still have them to this day. I love this band. I love this song. Oh, I listened to this when it came out back in the day. You had talked about um Matt, you talked about I think it's on the uh when you guys did an episode on um, John Carpenter, I think it is. You did an episode on, on um, the the Los Escape Angeles from LA. Escape from L.A. And you talked about like those kind of bands that you listen to that are, they weren't Nine Inch Nails, but it was like we got to fill this Nine Inch Nails hole in that era yes. between you know where it's just like you can't you can only listen to Downward Spiral twenty four times a day before you're like okay I got to break it up a little bit. And then some of those bands yeah, I need that to- filled that hole like oh man Machines Love and Grace for me like I found them on the crow soundtrack and then i just sprawled okay. everything from there everything i kept up with this love those guys yeah it's because you're not a stabbing westward guy right you're not you're not that i am not i'm not a stabby here's the deal i've not revisited stabbing western westward i see the road that i took if nine inch nails ministry was yeah. the gateway drug nine inch nails was like the long-term dependency mm-hmm. And then KMFDM, <laughs> and then, and then because I like synth pop a lot, there was the whole wave of like electro and dark wave stuff that mm-hmm. hit around that time. So there was like hot job and things that were a little bit more dark dance. Yeah. Um, and then Hansel and Gretel, they're dumb. Um, I liked Apoptigma Berserk. I liked X Marks the Pedwalk. I liked bands that were a little more techno-y. Mm-hmm. But I, whenever I would, you know, because we came up in that, like, techno, Detroit techno thing, and it's like, I'm a lyric and singer guy, so I, like, goth industrial electronic grounded me way more because I needed a vocalist. Uh-huh. But I, I didn't go the ultra guitar route that led me to more of the machines of loving grace and the stabbing westward so it was like well i guess well if there were I more mean, beeps machines, and boops, machines is like got they got songs that are going different places that are trying to they're goofy philosophy songs right they got different kind of stuff whereas stabbing westward is the same song over and over again which is like why the fuck did you break up with me why the fuck did you break up with me for fucking, <laughs> for 23 years yeah. oh then i should <laughs> Just love 23 this years like you should <laughs> I Matt, should love this band. I'm Matt, gonna revisit. Stabbing you gotta Westward go back. You gotta go with back with a clean slate. Yeah, because I gotta. Where tell should you, I start? On God. With a, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Start with On God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of. The, I mean, no. I, I'm a sucker for anything that's like you got nine minutes. Let's just build. Let's just build piece at a time, piece at a time. And then you're like, is it still the same song? And he hasn't even started singing yet. And then he's like, Why the fuck did you break up with me? Like, I, Matt, I'll tell you. I think I think I've made this joke to Lauren too many times, but uh, but I will tell you about like I used to work with this guy 
and a really, really fun guy. And we worked in this small office together for years, you know, and we just, you know, you end up having that like kind of like we're not facing each other. I, I face that way. He faces that way. And we're just listening to music, listening to music and having like our own basic version of an endless sitcom. And we're sitting there one day and we're listening to Stabbing Westward because every Wednesday we would listen to Nine Inch Nails and Stabbing Westward and Underworld and all that shit. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm huge so Stabbing fan. Westward is playing and we haven't said anything to each other in, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. It's just that you're just sitting in a room listening to Stabbing Westward in the past. This is like six, seven years ago. It's not 1997. And he, without even looking at me, without even turning his head, he goes, you know, I wonder if he ever got over that girl. <laughs> and I think about that every single time I hear a Stabbing Westward song. I just remember sitting there because I was crying. Like I couldn't, I mean, I just sat there and just gave it up. Like the end, the rest of the day is done. Like all I could think about was just like, and I think every time I hear a song, I'm just like, it really is. That is what he's doing. This man has been traveling the world singing these tunes. He can't get over that girl. I cannot get over that girl. Mm-hmm. Mm. Stuck yeah. at square one. Yeah. Why'd well, you leave? Well, it's funny is that I think the the last song on the Darkest Days album, which I think was their last major label record, I believe is like a seven or eight minute slow dirge called Waking Up Next to You. Mm-hmm. And it's like this it ain't over for this boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's still deep in it. If that this is the last track. So yeah, yes. Yeah, start with Ungod. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. The I'll way check to go. it. I'll check that out. Another band I really loved from that time was Sixteen Volt. I think they've come out with a couple of uh, okay. other stuff. Sixteen Volt was really. I think they're still mm-hmm. really good. I think um, Sin. I think is the name of the album or something what like happened that. To, wait, does KMFDM still Skin. operate? Oh yeah, and yeah. Ash is going to be making riding that pony forever. It's the same <laughs> record. Yeah, KMFDM, they're doing it again. It's a treat for the freaks. Do you do you like this rhythm? They're still doing it. They were still. Oh, Deutschland, we're coming for you. And it works every single time. It really does. And um, um, what was another? That was I loved Underworld. Underworld was super. Dub no bass with my head man was like one of those high school records. My friend Jay played Dirty Epic for like he had his girlfriend there. Um, all of our friends were there. Like it was one of those things where it was like ten people in his basement, and he put it on, and we shut up for mm-hmm. ten minutes, which I don't know would happen anymore. Where it's like a bunch of high school kids hear a song, we're like, play it again. You know, like just really cool moment. So, like that band is super special to me. Even if you're like, oh, I don't like them, I wouldn't. Care. I still, That's I, like, I actually, I actually really enjoyed those kind of like that weird. And they've certainly not the same guys anymore because it's just those two guys that are left. The other guys gone. Yeah. But I, I love that thing they did a few years ago. Where they're like, we're just gonna release like an entire new album, like almost every week or something, like for the whole year. And the drift, the wow. drift program, and like you'd listen to some of the songs, literally would just be the guy going like. I made a bowl of soup, 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 soup is Chinese. It's Chinese soup. I made it. I put some fortune cookies in it. I got it at a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant, soup, soup. And I'm just like, I'm fine with this. This is interesting. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> it's a, it is a yeah. real, uh, like, a real, like, uh, what, are, what are we going to write a song about today? Uh, LaCroix. La I've got a phone. I've got to plug it in. Plug it in. You know how I'm doing. Plug it in. <laughs> like, Okay. 
of why is my battery low? Can't talk to the me- to the missus. I gotta the tell you, misses me. I uh, I watched the Underworld Coachella set uh, earlier this year, mm-hmm. and it was everything I hoped it would be. Was the one guy beeping and bopping, and the other guy on the mic just saying stuff and dancing his little heart out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look at these guys. And I was like, how old are these guys? I looked them up. They're all, I think they're both like pushing 60, yep. and they did not stop. They went hard for a full hour, and they did the full versions of songs. They did a full version of Two Months Off, mm-hmm. which is, I think, my favorite Underworld song. And I was like, ah. Oh, these boys, they didn't. I just, I put it on thinking I'd watch a minute, and I watched the whole fucking thing. I was like, oh yeah, these guys, yeah, these guys fucking. Well, the it. everything, everything concert video, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great amazing. One. Yeah, it's yeah. great, and I got to see him live because I never expected to oh, see okay. him live. Because why would they, why would they come over here? And like, it was at Clutch Cargos, mm. so R.I.P. Which was basically R.I.P. So it was like a church with rafters. And we were in the rafters, and we were up close, so we had a view down onto the stage. Because I was like, what is the rig that they're using? And what it looked like they were doing is they they had they had a whole soundboard there in front mm-hmm. of them. And all the pots were there, so they basically tracked through each song and had it lay down in each pot. So, like, the computer would break each part of the song down to a different shifter Mm -hmm. so they could kind of create the song instantaneously. Mm -hmm. So like once they hit like born slippy, they were able to have like that thundering beat Mm -hmm. go, but then like they controlled like when, even though it was probably playing the whole Uh time, they were able to hit the keyboard hit the synth hit when they wanted to. So they could have just let that beat roll for 45 minutes if they wanted to and then pull it back and then hit the doon, doon, doon whenever they want. It was like really cool. And then like after each song, they would rip off almost like the tape they laid on the mm-hmm. board that had like where the sounds were, like which sound it was. It was very well, like wild. it added another yeah. dimension to it. It was like super awesome. I love them. I just, um, they're so They're awesome. Yeah, they're great. All right. Butterfly Wings is an all-timer. I don't know if it fits this soundtrack, but I could hear this song. It's the Uh, the club, right? They're they're coming out of the the club. So we know they're coming out of a cool club. And there were a lot of comments on songmeanings.com. One person puts a lengthy quote from one Jesus Christ uh, as their comment. Mm. They just basically just put it, they put this giant block of text into the bottom. Jesus Christ. And I was like, okay. Um, and then a commenter whose name is GOP. So I'm assuming it's the GOP mm-hmm. uh, official song meanings. They said a theme song for cynics and skeptics an ode to trusting no one. The previous mentioning of the butterfly wings, chaos theory and the biblical references to false prophets prophets are dead on tonight. I chase the dragon by your fruits. You shall know them is apparently also a steely Dan reference. I feel that this is too clear headed and too many quality references in it for it to be the actual GOP. Mm-hmm. So I think that they scoop this one up from the from the uh, the GOP for them. Which is good for them. Squad on it. Make them pay. Up next Alright buddy. We've got Genesis by Justice. Thank you. 
the French man. What are they doing? What's in the water over uh, there? They got the best water, baby. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you see that this song is on the Punisher soundtrack, Punisher Warzone soundtrack, you're like, Justice Genesis? That banger of an opener from the album Cross? This must be playing in a scene where the Punisher is walking down the street looking fucking badass as hell. Maybe it's playing in a sequence where he's walking and just smoking guys in the face. Just just automatic pistols and shotguns. Punisher must be doing the most badass shit to this song. Wrong. Uh-uh. This is the song that plays when Looney Ben Jim decides to break every mirror that's available to him in the lobby full of mirrors. This is the song. Uh-huh. I remember in the theater, he starts jumping and I go... Are they, is this soundtrack to Justice? Justice for this? This this is the one. One of the honestly the strangest needle drop in the entire movie for me mm-hmm. is the this song this banger for Looney Bin Jim makes his brother feel better about mirrors by destroying all of them. Very strange, um, but it once again I mean this album is only a year old. Justice is red hot. I'm pretty sure I'd seen them in concert like two months prior to this movie coming out. Incredible show. I got groped because that's what 2008 was all about, baby. People were just going nuts. It's a hot time, let me tell you. Great to hear it. It's very weird. But, you know, also it's an important scene because it shows how important the love between Looney Bin Jim and Jigsaw is and how, how close they are as brothers, that he's like fuck mirrors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Tucker, how do you feel about this one? I like, you know, I, I like this song a lot, obviously. I mean, I'm not crazy. I remember that album coming out. It was a big deal. You know, that like little wave of like, it's the French boys. The French boys are here. The French boys are making a lot of things. I watched it this time and maybe this is just like a, you know, it's like a, what's that joke about? You know, it's like the girl that you only see Boss Baby get a lot of Boss Baby vibes. Uh, yeah. This time around, I was like, this reminds me of that scene in The Matrix where they play the propeller heads and like there's all the shooting in the slow mo in the lobby because it's like, I don't know, because you're just like, it's in a lobby and it's this kind of music and it's like <laughs> things getting smashed. And I'm like, yeah, I saw this before in that other movie. You know, they were in a lobby, they broke things. There's dance music in that too. You know, like. <laughs> i i like that that's that's really more of a, a budgetary uh call out too because it's like the matrix was like we're gonna have a shootout we're gonna have multiple security guards we're gonna have machine guns we're gonna have keanu and carrie ann moss they're gonna be jumping off the walls and the ceiling doing spin kicks it's gonna be the most incredible <laughs> shit ever people are gonna go to go home and be like you gotta go see the fucking matrix and then they make this movie and they're like all right, the best I can do for you is 15 mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Different kinds, too. Like, I feel like if you go back and watch that scene, you'll be like, why would these mirrors be all in one room? They don't look like they look like you went to an antique store and bought a bunch of mirrors. They don't look like mirrors that were like designed and hung up in there. So. No, no, I, I, I have a feeling that they that it would not surprise me if somebody wrote that scene on the set. And they're like, we need a scene for the brothers mm-hmm. to communicate this experience. And then somebody was like, well, what if he breaks? We have the earlier scene with the mirror. What if he breaks all the mirrors? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, how many mirrors do we have? And they're like, go to the store and buy every mirror you can find. And then this PA just was just picking up different types, like any type of mirror. He, yeah, he was in the Target home goods section. He's like, I need every mirror you got. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and listen, it's probably what happened because I lived in Pittsburgh when uh, Dark Knight Rises was being filmed, mm-hmm. and a PA came in to get batteries and mics for that movie. Mm-hmm. 
So they were just going wherever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so probably went to yeah, probably just went rolled in Hobby Lobby or some shit. He said, "Give me all your, <laughs> give me all your fucking mirrors." The most, we the most, the most uh, bargain basement thing that happens at Punisher Warzone, it, which is even worse now because of now because of what we have with our phones and everything, is how the opening credits when they're showing all the various characters and Punisher shit that's going to be in the movie, and it has that super generic like comic book. Uh, filter on everything that you could just do on your phone with anything. I mean, then like one of the early ass digital filters and you're watching the whole opening of this thing and you're like, wow, that's your special effect really right there. It's just freezing a frame from the movie and then putting like the comic book, like scritchy scratch filter on it. Okay. Yeah. The, the last couple of times I've watched the movie, I've been, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm readily aware that your budget was limited, mm. you know, especially when you notice there's these scenes where there's just no people around yeah. and it's New York city. And you're like, they didn't have, they didn't have the budget for the people. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get any more extras. I feel like this comment from dorkasm <laughs> is uh, perfect on song meanings. They said, this song is unreal. How has nobody commented yet? There it is. So dark and just gives you chills. It's so good. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, All right. Up next, we've got Showdown by Pendulum. took more of a bleepy bloopy boppy electro back end to this album well once again what we're seeing is this is the this is the thick of the bloghouse era you know you've got all these bands like justice daft punks doing the live 2007 tour into 2008 um you've got honestly this reminded me of klaxon's Hadouken, Does It Offend You Yeah, those type of bands all sound like this. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure I saw Pendulum live like a year, probably two years after this at an electronic festival, and they were all dubstep. It was all like, wah, Skrillex shit. Mm -hmm. So they had already abandoned this sound. And what's funny is that there's all these comments and song meanings of people saying that this song is about the scene and how pendulum had been trying to mix things up all of these things and and uh and and i'm like this is just a jock jam you guys i don't actually think this song is about anything <laughs> like i think you guys are proving this one a little too much credit yeah because there's somebody someone, oh yeah here it is this comment from gilbot this when i first heard this song i immediately assumed it was aimed at their critics but then I think it's about them leaving the drum and bass and heading into their own genre. I think that it's the fact that it's placed as the opening track on their album is symbolic as the first thing their opponents will hear, almost making Showdown a statement. And I was like, mm, I, I, I don't really, 
I don't really think that's you know. I, 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 think, know it's, it's I think it's giving Pendulum too much credit that they not only do they have critics, but they got critics that like you put like quote marks around. Like shut the fuck up, man! What are you talking about? What are you thinking? <laughs> There's some Robert Chris guy out there going like, ah, oh, new Pendulum's out, staying up late tonight. I don't think so, buddy. Not gonna fucking happen. <laughs> Hey, buddy, you look tired this morning. What happened? <laughs> oh, New Pendulum came Pendulum. out last night. I had, had to fucking stay up late, listen to that shit. Oh. You know, you know, I'm day I one. I set with my the pendulum, pendulum timer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's another got him. If you're a Pendulum super fan, what are you doing with your life? It's not a Pendulum. <laughs> oh, poor Pendulum super uh, fans. Poor said, pendulum. There's somebody um, else on here talking on the song meetings talking about critics. I'm like, what are you talking? You really think Pendulum was making a lot of decisions based off critics? Like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> pendulum band meeting. We're getting some bad reviews. I mean, I'm listening you to Pendulum. Do These guys aren't readers. Books, anything. They're not sitting there going like, yo, did you clock the new one? No, no, no. I don't think so, buddy. Blow this shit away. Uh, that's different. That's a Punisher's thing. He wouldn't. When it, this is mm-hmm. another. This is another parkour thing. I remember them jumping to this. This. This oh, is. Boy. I wrote in my notes. This is when they are first introduced. Yeah. So he makes a reference. He's like, "I got some guys. They're gonna come around." And then it like cuts to, and it's like, yeah. and they're jumping and flipping around. And that's when you also get the scene where they come in, and um, and it's also it's very funny is that um. Jigsaw is incredibly condescending to just about everyone he talks to except his brother. Mm-hmm. And to those guys, he's like, you guys are goofballs, but he's like slightly kinder to them. Yeah. And then they're like, and they're just like super nice. Like, that's the thing. The Parker guys, they're murderers, but they are nice. And they say, okay, we'll do this job for you. And um, is it okay if we leave by the roof? And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And then they leave, and everyone else is like, what a bunch of fucking weirdos. And Jigsaw's like, they're great. Those guys, those guys, they're just something else. Like, he, he just, he's got an affinity for them crazy parkour boys um, who were introduced by, uh, by the sounds of Pendulum. Um, all right, next up is the song that got me really hyped to listen to this soundtrack. It is Hatebreed with a cover of Refuse Resist. <laughs> Been waiting for this one. Punching it out. The solid, solid cover. I don't know if they necessarily make it their own, but the the they pay the proper respect to the song, that's for fucking sure. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that they do the damn thing with this cover. It's perfect for the Punisher. It rips. I don't really have any notes for it. Um I'm not sure if it's in the movie. I don't recall. Uh, it necessarily showing up but um 
But any, but any chance? Well, Hatebreed has that not in the movie clause in their contract. <laughs> yeah, do not put us in the movie. Not even you don't want because isn't once again somebody said, hey, we're gonna put you in the Punisher movie, and it's like, well, can I be in? a No, scene? you're not. Just put us on the soundtrack. <laughs> well, you know what though? Maybe you're you're worried. You're like, can I be in the movie? You know, it's like the guys in Justice. They're like, are we gonna be in the Punisher movie? Are we gonna be in a scene where the Punisher's like fucking guys up? And it's like, nope. Mirror scene. Guy breaking mirrors with his butt. Sorry, that's when you're someplace. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you n- yeah, you never know. I mean, listen, Stone Temple Pilots gave the crow big empty, and they're like, "Is this going to be in the scene when the crow like launches his body off the top of the of the building and flies?" And it's like, no, it's going to be played diegetically on the car radio by one of the bad guys for 15 seconds. <laughs> that's when Big Empty's going to play in the crow. You never know. I will say I'm not a huge Stone Temple Pilot fan. You know that. I know this. I've it's stated. It is fact. Mm-hmm. Big Empty is my favorite Stone Temple Pilot song by a large margin. What's what what Stone Temple Pilot song is the one where he says, "I want to fuck, I want to fuck, but do you need me?" <laughs> what song is that? That is track three on Purple. Someone right now is yelling. Fuck a wonder fuck, but do you need me? <laughs> that is Loungefly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Scott Weiland, baby. The master. He could sell it. Um Love it. Tape read, refuse, resist. Love it. They did it. They ripped it. It's great. Probably probably not in the movie. Next up. This is and there we have, the mission, the, this uh, is the other twofer. This is the other band that made it on the on, made it into both movies. That's right. Hate breed is in both. Yeah. That's right. Hatebreed and Seether, what a yeah, one-two punch. Can you imagine? Punch. Imagine this is not how music musicians work, but imagine if all of the musicians were in a room for that first album. They're all kind of milling around, and like Seether would be like, "Oh, so the Hatebreed guys are here," and they'd be like, oh, "The Hatebreed guys are here. Oh, the Windup Record guys are here. That's who's here. Like, oh, this is our <laughs> team." And then the next Punisher movie comes around, and Seether shows up, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's just us and Hatebreed. We're the only guys who made the cut. Like, everybody, nobody else is here." You know, all new people. <laughs> Who's that French guy over there? He's way more successful than all of us combined. <laughs> uh, it's like when you go to a new school and you're just like, there's got to be one guy. I know. I know that dude from camp. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Jost is here. Oh, I was going to have to go talk to Curly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beautiful. Um, up next, we have Static X and their song, Lunatic.
classic Static X. Classic Static X. Now, the wiki is saying that this has a guitar solo from Mustaine. It does not. The Mustaine solo is on the re-recorded version that's on Cold Static. This has... Because that song has two guitar solos, one from Wayne, one from Mustaine. This just has the Wayne solo. I mean, this is fine for a Punisher movie, a song called Lunatic on the Punisher soundtrack. The one thing that was notable to me is that I feel like Static X and like if they had decided, if they had shown up and said, hey, we'd like to have a song on the 2004 soundtrack, they would have been really high up in the track listing. But by the time they show up for the 2008 Punisher they are the penultimate track, which I think just shows that the cachet has shifted and where we're looking at as far as like new metal at this point in popular culture has, you know, we'll put Static X on, but you're not going to be at the top. You're going to be a lot lower. Um, how'd you feel about this one, Tucker? Uh, I think it's a piece of shit. I don't care about this kind of music at all. I don't like it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to listen to somebody sing like that and do this kind of stuff. Then I think I'd rather just go to a foreign country and have it just be like something of like us, oh, like Norwegian guys singing about Vikings and shit like that. Like that's cool. This is I don't know what this is. Not my thing. Don't care. I there do like go. the album art. I looked at the album art for the Static X album and I was like, oh, that's really stupid looking. I like it. Like it looks like a weird CD-ROM <laughs> game or something like that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh that yeah there's some incredible photoshop on that uh, that uh cult of statics uh cover art. oh yeah. yeah are these guys good so I, I don't know i don't know if what it was. uh i would go way back in their catalog okay. yeah I, I would say start with wisconsin death trip and that will feel much more like okay but they they are if you don't like that, you you'll know immediately, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. you'll just be you'll yeah. just be done. Like okay, yeah. no, nope, that's yeah, enough. I think if you get if you can, yeah, if you if you can't get past like the first two tracks of uh, Wisconsin, then then they're not. They're yeah, you just don't you. like that band, and that's yeah. fine because that's because that's the album right there. Believe it or not, we're on the last track. Matt, How respectful of our time was this album? This album clocks in at fifty-five minutes and forty-one seconds. That's like not that. bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's a little, it's a little fat, but and they probably could have cut a couple songs that involved punk bands. Yeah, but, uh, I think you could, um, you could so easily cut that "Census Fail" song, like so easily. I think "Give Her to the like, Sea" their song too. I don't really, it's like dumb. You could have cut. The I seat. don't like them, but I, they have a pretty significant fan base. I think in two thousand seven, right? I, mean, oh, I, t- well, I was thinking, I'm thinking aesthetic. Are we talking economic? <laughs> <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we put the Beatles on this? We need a Beatles song on oh, this. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, 2007? Aesthetic. 2007? You got to put Mariah's back in 2007. Emancipation of Mimi, girl. Get her on the soundtrack. Get them numbers up. Um, oh, can you imagine Punisher is just a he, he's a sweet butterfly he loves Mariah Carey you know um, what it well what we are we're probably like four years removed from the ironic needle drop of you know incredible violence set to a jokey soft song mm-hmm. it, Matthew Vaughn was kind of like he's kind of the king of that shit mm-hmm. right yeah. with uh I I think it's in both of the Kingsman's movies have the big shootout set to some sort of, you know, joke. I mean, I I know that the second Kingsman movie 
has a finale set to like a dance remix to like take me home country roads or something like that mm-hmm. it's like the worst thing i've ever heard like truly like it, it the action's good but the the song's so bad that it ruins the whole sequence well um, what what a, what old song uh sung now by children all slow-mo and creepy would they have for punisher wars on that's like the other thing i like ooh. to do now it's easy to pick something by like Radiohead or something like that, but <laughs> yeah, because they've um, done that like three times right. in the past year. They've done it like yeah. Yeah. yeah, creep, getting that mileage. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'm, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three, and it starts with creep, and I was like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. all right, we're starting there, all right. Did oh, go- it's the Strokes. Is this it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I think that's the way to go. Yep. S- children mournfully singing that song. Is this it? As the Punisher just mows down all these people. You know, it would make it Is funnier and it wouldn't work, but I would like to hear it. It's like some little kids just singing like a, like a, the, something from the streets first album. <laughs> it's like a, from that guy. Sharp darts. <laughs> oh man, that'd be good. Uh, can I get a bunch of kids together to sing "Fit," but she knows it? Um, is that okay? Uh, or dry your eyes, mate. That would uh, that would be great yeah. for kids. Uh, yeah, a bunch of kids singing "Blinding Lights." Yeah, blinded by the lights. Blinded by the lights. Oh. <laughs> All these kids being like, "Is this is this legal? Are we are we allowed to do this?" Um, blinded by the lights. Uh, believe it or not, we've got one song left. It's by a band called Ramallah. And the song is called Days of Revenge. This is a Punisher song. Come on. If he were in Bram Stoker's Dracula, I guess. On that one. Hey man, if you're gonna if you're gonna write a song, take big fucking swings, <laughs> big swings, because it's uh, either gonna be genius or the corniest shit that's ever been. Uh, Good on him. So I uh, I thought this comment from uh, someone named Harrison Klebold on song meanings said this is ten times the political aggression of Rage Against the Machine, if these guys got a national radio and people felt Rob's shit, the reaction would make the L.A. riots look like a fucking tea party. (laughs) 
what I like about this song is that it does start off and it has, yeah, Matt, you said like Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was also thinking like the Exorcist theme or the Halloween theme. But instead of, um, you know, instead of a priest coming in and trying to use, you know, the, uh, you know, the biblical rites and the cross and holy water to try to take out this demon inside Linda Blair. What if he's got a fucking right hook and a karate kick and a fucking shotgun and he takes that like it's almost like this is so aggressive with that do 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 piano and it's like whoa dude slow down it honestly was like it's if somebody saw the beginning of i think it's scary is it scary movie 2 that has the james woods exorcist parody does anyone remember what I'm talking I, I about? I don't remember. I wish I did. I okay. wish I could go there with you right there, now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> guys. So I, I, I want to say it's. I want to say it's scary movie too, mm-hmm. and uh, the plan was that they wanted to get uh, Marlon Brando to play the priest. Marlon Brando passed or couldn't do it because of health reasons, so James Woods steps in to do this scene and it's full of flatulence there's all this fart jokes like i think at one point he like goes to do the exorcist but then he realizes he has to take a shit so then he like goes and takes a shit or something like that classic scary movie stuff and then he goes in and they're trading barbs and the smash cut is her going your mother sucks cocks in hell and James Woods just getting like really mad, like what seems like legit mad. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll suck on this. And he pulls a pistol out and shoots her in the <laughs> face. And it's smash cut scary movie, too. And I remember at the time going, that's pretty good. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and, and that's my feeling on this song. You get this pianos and you're like, oh, we're getting very operatic. We're getting very almost, I don't want to say dignified, but like serious. And those guitars kick in and it's like, sorry, bro, machine gun. We're going in. Bring the SWAT in. That's how we're handling our shit. I thought this actually ended the album on a real big high. This song has no subtlety to it. It's fucking insane. It's like they listened to Rage Against the Machine and they were like too subtle. Too subtle. Yeah. And they went super fucking hard. So I was I was into this. This always every time I was like, yeah, this is how it's done. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. Any other thoughts on Ramala? I don't have. This any is more. the one from the trailer. They use this in the trailer. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I don't I don't remember it from the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's. I just think it's interesting. I'm like I'm like how often do the song with these kind of lyrics make its way into a movie trailer <laughs> like. <laughs> much less in a movie but actually to be like no this is how we're gonna position this thing with the the columbine lyrics <laughs> and the palestine <laughs> martyr thing like there's a lot in here like uh, we call it for a race war is that what you're also doing in the song okay Big and swings. they're gonna they, they swing themselves right into the trailer so i guess it worked <laughs> yeah um and there you have it. It's the soundtrack to the Puni- Punisher War Zone mm-hmm. original motion picture soundtrack. It's now the part of the show where we talk about Canon Talk. Talking about the Canon Tucker. Once again, we'll start with you. I think it's hilarious that you have the opportunity this far into doing this show, this many episodes into this show, and you let somebody who comes on to be the Punisher guy have any comment at all about the Canon. So let me see. Uh, I'm going to say no, this shouldn't be in the Canon. <laughs> <laughs> that's my vote <laughs> my vote is no don't put it in the canon <laughs> uh fair enough um if yeah, there's a second well, i'm sorry a- if there's a secondary canon uh that machines of loving grace can go into i want machines of loving grace to go into that canon so you if you have another canon if you canon on the side that doesn't have anything to do with new metal it's just a place for like 
things I love. The machines of love and grace. I, th- I, I think we would put it in the Matt Nas canon. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Um, I thought this soundtrack was a massive improvement on the first one. Mm-hmm. For one, it's shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. I, I don't have anything for the canon, just because I feel like it, New Metal being the final tag on the wiki makes sense. I feel like if we were to say, like, what on this album is actually New Metal, I guess Slipknot and Static X. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Ramala, that felt pretty new, too. Okay. But just about everything else is either metal or it's butt or it's weirdly pop punk, and then you have a bunch of, like, dance, uh, electro stuff, and, uh, you know, goth industrial stuff in there, and then whatever the fuck Senses Fail is. So, you know, I didn't have a bad time listening to this. This was always a fun listen, except for Senses Fail. Always always had a bad time listening to them. So, yeah, so I don't have anything for the canon. Matt? It's going to be a no for me, dog. No, um, all right. Yeah, yeah it's it, much mm-hmm. better. Much, much better than the last one. There's songs that I would re-listen to on this album uh, compared to the already forgotten uh, first one, first Punisher one that we did. So how is Frank Castle going to take these records out? How how does he uh, release them from this mortal coil? If he were if he were to merc a, uh, um, an album, what would he most do? Most immediate method possible and most immediate weapon at hand. Um, I think it's a lean over. It's a snap. You know, if it's a CD, we lean over, we snap the CD, you know, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, throw it in the fire. Yeah. Snap yeah, that's exactly how we do it. Yeah, yeah he's not going to want, it's you know, he's going to shoot it. The bullet's going to, you know, it's going to fragment. Maybe it's going to blow back. It's just not going to be, you know, because that's the thing about that. These movies don't capture that. I think that Garth Ennis kind of captures the guy is going to do the thing the way that it should be done. So shooting a bullet into something that might possibly like have a ricochet or something like that, that might possibly shards of concrete might come off into his leg or something unnecessary. He reaches over, he takes a CD, breaks it in half. It's gone. He's done with it. Yeah, efficiency is is the whole thing. Because there's a there's a bit at the beginning of this movie where he yeah he rolls in, he chops off the head of the old crime boss, he then breaks his wife's neck, and then turns around, starts stabbing as many people as possible while they're all sort of like dazed. And you're like, this makes sense. You know, he's trying to not draw attention. He's trying to use his hands and knives, things that don't make noise. But then people start shooting. And you're like, okay, well, now he's going to get off the table where he's a, a, a target and get out of there. But instead, he grabs a chandelier, flips upside down on the chandelier, and starts spinning and shooting. And I remember at the time going, Frank wouldn't do that. But <laughs> cinematically, it does look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And But it's also funny is that it gives us a shot that I don't think you would get nowadays, mm-hmm. even in like a John Wick or something like that, where it cuts to the POV of... Uh, Dominic West character coming in and he just is, looks down and sees the Punisher spinning and it looks insane <laughs> and his reaction is, I'm not fucking going yeah. in there, let's get the let's fuck out of here. Like, no, 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 let's just leave. But it looks insane, you're just like, that's what, yeah, that's what it would look like if a dude fucking got in a chandelier and spun around oh. and shot automatic weapons out. It would look insane, like, completely ridiculous. Um, I, I want to ask, I want to ask you guys a question about the Punisher okay. based off, you know, Matt, I know, I know you didn't see these movies, but I have, I have a question doing all the episodes that you've done of Roach Coach. Um, yes. If, if we're going to break, if you're going to break things down and you're going to say that like music has a philosophy or something like that, do you think that the Punisher 
is a new metal kind of character or would you put it with a different kind of category of music? Like where, what, what would you say like is the music that kind of encompasses this thing that we've been talking about? Yeah, I would not call the Punisher a new metal mm-hmm. character or, or a, I would not assign the moniker of new metal to the Punisher, especially after kind of deep diving Punisher with the two of you. He's, he's way too direct and he has very little time for frivolousness. <laughs> and I wouldn't call new metal frivolous, but it is layered. Right. It's got more things going to it. Like the thing that made it what it is, is the mashing of style and taking the old and the new and putting them together. Whereas like just in the conversation we just had, it's just like, if I need to p- kill you with this pen, then that's all I mm-hmm. care about doing. Like to me, that screams like, um, like more of a hardcore yeah, okay. <laughs> thing. Not that it's hard, not that Punisher is hardcore, but I would, I would put him more in that mm-hmm. vein. Like coil. I can see. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I can see that. I think for me, the thing about it, though, is that thinking of Frank as somebody who is all about efficiency and getting things done, but so on a purely like aesthetic level, not on a lyrical level, though, mm-hmm. I feel like you need the efficiency of a band like ZZ Top, especially from like when he came from in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So like lyrically, obviously, ZZ Top is singing about girls all the time. And Frank is not mm-hmm. really concerned with that. But... um but just like the riffage and like the straight ahead nature of like something like Eliminator, yeah, that fits with that. Like he's getting out there, he's got a mission, he's going out for it, and yeah, it, he's going to get the job done. What and about like AC/DC? So that Wouldn't that, with that that seems like that also lead, lead to something like that that has a like a, a re- repetition of style and efficiency and directness, you know. You know what? That that makes sense too. ACDC also works. And also as Matt and I once did, uh, Matt did a blind test on me and we just played... Oh no, I did it to you, Matt. I just played you ACDC songs from different eras and you had to guess if it came out um, when it came out. And uh, every single yeah. song... you know, I played it, It's I, impossible. Yeah, yeah, I played a song from 83. I played a song from 2008 and they both sounded identical. Um, yep. They, they were, yeah, the same. And if you get Frank right, yeah, yeah devi- and what I mean, a lot of the criticisms I think we've had is like deviation from the mean. Like when you get too far away from the simplicity, you start to get to a place where you're like, what the f- this? You just don't want to do Punisher. You want to do something else. Like that's not what you want, right? And I, was yeah. saying, and I think ACDC exactly. is kind of that same thing. ACDC is like it's like no, no, you just you want to do something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, like Frank Castle's, I like I, w- I if I were to give him a musical genre, I'm going grindcore. Okay, I'm going more okay. of that. Because it's more like you're mixing hardcore punk extreme metal together and it's just like brutal and mm-hmm. short. Like you don't have to understand a word of it because it's really it's not about that. It's just like mm-hmm. done. You know, <laughs> Matt, when you bring that up, I'm reminded of uh, one of Jenny's favorite bands. Is it Nails? Was that Nails? The band? Nails. Yep. She loves Nails. Nails and yeah, if you put on nails, that is uh yeah, Tucker, I don't know if you're familiar with nails, no. but uh oh yeah. Uh, I believe the album is called You Are N- You Are Not Our Kind, 
I think is the last record that they put out. And um, yeah, those guys they uh, they are not they're not fucking around. And honestly, yeah, I would say uh, you will never be one of us. That's the record. Yep, that I think is is as hardcore as you want to get. They're more the American hardcore band, whereas like grindcore kind of takes metal and that in a pot and then it says fuck lyrics mm-hmm. i mean there's definitely grindcore bands that have lyrics so please don't metal people back off i, I understand don't I, write I don't us know we know I'm about talking. lyrics uh, and we also don't we know that it, this, we're out of our depths mm-hmm. here my experience with it is that it's intentionally done the way that it's done to be what it is like I don't give a f- this mm-hmm. is what it is. Go. That's okay, we've just recorded three mm-hmm. songs. You know, like that's <laughs> that's that's and that's kind of frank, like to me, where it's just like, no, nah, I don't have to think about this. You're fucking dead and you're mm-hmm. fucking dead and you're fucking dead. And we have had three murders that I'm feeling pretty good about what's happening because I'm about mm-hmm. that life. <laughs> uh I think that's perfect. And I think that's a perfect way to close out this episode. These these two episodes. Mm-hmm. All about our boyfriend Castle and the two Punisher soundtracks. And uh, thank you so much for listening, Tucker. Thank you so much for coming back, doing a twofer with us. Truly appreciate hey, it. My pleasure. Travis Bickle on the Riviera podcast is back. And also, I know you've been pushing. You did. I don't know if you did editing or what your involvement was with the um, Paul Bunyan and Invention of an American Legend by Noah von Skyver. Yep, that's a, that's um, the first but, book that has my name on it as editor. So that's my first. And I've edited some comics before, but this is the first thing where it's like they printed my name on it. So I kind of got to back it up a little bit. So, yeah. Awesome. awesome. It is It is a little, I, I don't know how many people who listen to this podcast are looking for uh, uh, books for fifth and sixth graders that are going to tell you the true story of Paul Bunyan. But if they're out there, then, you know, that's, that's the, I hope that there's a lot of fifth graders who listen to Roach Coach. <laughs> <laughs> Getting educated. Yeah. Just listen to two yeah. hours on your elders. I plan. I, yeah. I I didn't know. I didn't know I needed to take Slipknot seriously. So I know you guys have done some episodes on Slipknot. So I'm going to go back and check out those because I got to say, after listening to that song, I was pretty into it. And I feel like maybe yeah, I missed the boat right. on Static X too. So maybe I should go back and give those guys a chance too. Seem like you. you seem like you guys like that one. So I'm gonna, maybe, maybe I'm giving them too much of the short shrift. I'm excited for you to dive into those. Yeah, yeah. Tucker, always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so you, much Tucker. for coming on. My pleasure. It was great to be um, And uh, keep on saying hello to us online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Roachcoach and all of those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Please make sure you're sharing the show on your socials, letting people know that you're repping the roach. And until next time, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Tucker... Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right.